Welcome to Casas. There is a place for everyone here and we're happy you decided to join us. If you're visiting us for the first time today, we ask that you text the word guest to the number below. We'd love the opportunity to connect with you. Also, if you haven't yet, be sure to stop by our Welcome Center, or you can join us right here in the auditorium following either service at our welcome party in the East Alcove. You would have also received a welcome card. We ask that you fill that out and either hand it in with a volunteer from guest services, or you can drop it in the giving boxes in the back of the room. We'd like to know that you were here, and it's a way for us to follow up with you and learn about your experience. We hope to see you next week, too. We're beginning the new year with a brand new series, Don't Get on the Ride. Invite some friends or family to join you for this relatable series on how to navigate some of life's complexities, how to know what moments to step into, what moments should be handled differently, and for what that means for all of us. Thanks for being part of this morning and for joining us to ring in the new year. Whether you're joining us in person or online, we hope you have a great Sunday. And let's worship to with one another this morning.
Uh, good morning. Good morning. Happy New Year. Take a moment and say Happy New Year to somebody around you. You can go ahead and take a seat if you'd like. And if you are uh, a guest with us today, we are just so excited that you're here. And um, we've got a guest card that we'd love for you to fill out. If you got one of the welcome bags up front, you should find one in there. Or if not, there's some by the boxes in the back of the room. And we're just so excited for you to be here on the very last Sunday of the year, right? And you know, maybe 2023 was actually a really good year for you and you're maybe kind of sad to see it go or maybe you're kind of like good riddance, 2023, don't let the door hit you on the way out, just go. Or maybe somewhere in between, you know, year is a long time so there's probably good moments and bad moments or tough times through all that. But it's just great that we can gather together and be here together on this last Sunday of the year and start thinking about what 2024 is gonna hold in store for all of us. And you know, um, there's just something really special about being able to, to gather together and do this. And so I wanna ask you to be thinking about uh, who you might wanna invite to come um, on a Sunday in the future, especially in January. We're starting a new series next Sunday called Don't Get On The Ride. And I think that's gonna speak to all of us in different ways about what it might mean to be on the ride of life and don't get on these things, but maybe get on those things. And so if you know somebody, a family member, a friend, neighbor, coworker, or something like that, that you think would be really um, impacted by this series or really blessed by just being here among you, invite them to come. Invite them to come through January and um, let's together see what God can do through all of that. Um, and so as we continue this morning, I want to ask you to go ahead and stand back up and we'll continue to sing together this morning. Well, the beginning of a new year is a perfect time to commit to what we know to be true. Amen. So we're going to sing the song about knowing that our God is faithful, that he still does miracles, and that he never stops being there for us. So let's do that together this morning as we sing. I give you glory for all you've brought me through. And now I'm ready for whatever you want to do. I'm moving forward to follow after you. And now I'm Lord, like never before. 
your presence. Your presence is an open door. We want you, Lord, like never before. Your presence is an open door. So come now, Lord, like never before. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know, as Miles said, maybe you walked in here this morning and you're excited about a new year because you see the renewal and the freshness and the opportunity. Maybe you're struggling with that idea, but can I encourage you this morning that our God stays with us in every season. He stays for you in every single season. Our God is worthy of our praise and he is not going to stop, amen, church? And he is faithful and true. So let's declare that this morning as we sing what we know our God is and he will stay with us and for us. Come on, let's sing this in faith. Sing it out.
God, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you continue to hold us, that you make a way, God, even when we don't see it or feel it, you're still working. You're still who you are. God, so we trust you, God, in this new year. And we thank you for making a way. Thank you for being here with us this morning that we can worship. You are here. Moving in our midst, I worship you, I worship you. You are here, 
You're working in this place. I worship you. I worship. Come on, worship him. You are here. You're moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here. You're working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. Well, sing it out. We make a miracle work. Promise keep light in the darkness. My God, that is who you make miracle work promise keep light in the darkness my god that is who you are you are here touching every come on worship him Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't 
God makes a way, doesn't he? He God works miracles, doesn't he? God keeps his promises, doesn't he? And God shows a light in the darkness. Some 2,000 years ago, God showed a very bright light in the darkness and brought us Jesus. How many people were here last week to celebrate that at Christmas at Casas? Yeah. What a beautiful day, huh? The three o'clock service was almost standing room only. And the one o'clock service and five o'clock services were both full as well. And it was just amazing. And you know what's really cool to celebrate about that is that that means we had several thousand people here celebrating. Yeah. Several thousand who don't normally come here. And so I just want to celebrate you to, to be, for being the loving, accepting church that we are, for people to feel comfortable to come here and have an experience as great as that was. And I also want to celebrate you if you volunteered, because we certainly could not have done everything we did last Sunday and the weeks leading up to that without all the volunteers uh, that came out and helped and did all that. So just thank you for all that. Yeah, thank you so much. And you know, one of the most beautiful things, at least for me, uh, for Chris, at Christmas at Casas, is just that we get to celebrate all that together. You know, we get to be together, we get to worship uh, a God who came in flesh and was born, and we get to celebrate that together and be in community together. And if, if that might have stirred something in you about, I want to be more in a community, I want to be part of a smaller community where I can experience that love and acceptance and learn how to give that love and acceptance even more. I want to let you know that starting in January, starting next month, uh, our small groups are going to be open again for people to get involved in a small group. And so I want to give you a date to put on your calendar, and it's Wednesday, January 10th. January 10th. It's a Wednesday night, 6.30, right over here in the coffee spot. If you're interested in learning more about what it means to be a part of a small group, maybe meet some of the small group facilitators, I want to invite you to come to that and get a chance to just mingle, talk to some folks, and get to know a little bit more about what that means to be in a smaller community together as we walk through 2024. And um, so it's just, it's so good to be with all of you here today. It's so good to see like a, this almost feels like Christmas with as many people are here. This is awesome. And so just one last reminder, since this is the last day of the year, if you're looking at making a year-end gift or year-end donation, remember today is the deadline for that. So there's some envelopes still in the seat backs. You can fill those out, drop it in the boxes in the back of the room. Anytime you can give online at casaschurch.org. Or if you're, you know, maybe like me and a last minute person and want to do something tonight, you can still come on and we've got a drop box right outside the church offices and you can drop a gift in there and still get credit for 2023. So um, it's so good to be with all of you this morning. Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much just for, uh, for the gift of your son and for the gift of this season that we can celebrate uh, his birth all together as your church. And God, I thank you for how you have blessed us in 2023. I ask for those blessings to continue in 2024. And may you take these gifts that we give, these donations that we give, and use them uh, in ways that we can't even imagine. And God, we thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. 
And it's in Jesus' name, amen. Kind of the same thing. I'll cheer with Elizabeth. That makes sense. Um, if this is one of your first times joining us, especially from Christmas, my name is Stacy. I'm one of the teaching pastors here. It's super excited to be with you guys. I want to give you one warning. Um, I am getting over a little bit of a cold, so you might hear me sniffle today. I've got two toddlers at home, and they are germs that like to sneeze in your face. So I'm almost all better, but if you hear sniffles and it drives you crazy, you can blame them, and I won't. I'll understand. It's a tough, it's a tough thing we're going to walk through together. But I am excited to get to start this new year with each and every one of you guys. Uh, some of you might know this, but uh, I had an opportunity. My husband served in the army for a couple of years. And so we had the opportunity to be stationed overseas. We were actually in Germany right outside of Frankfurt for a little over three years. And so because of that, I've been able to celebrate New Year in like several different countries in different ways, which is really, really exciting. And my husband and I were reflecting once, one New Year, we actually celebrated it in Paris, which was really, really fun. I got to be there with my husband and actually his family, uh, my in-laws, and we got got to go to this really fancy dinner. It was like the seven course dinner in Paris. And then the big thing to do there for New Year's is you go to the Arc de Triomphe and they do this giant laser show over the Arc. And so there's just thousands, if not a million people in front of the Arc and it's beautiful and it's a party and they're singing and cheering and dancing. And it's so, so fun. Such a cool way to ring in the new year. And the really cool thing that Paris does on their New Year's Eve is they make all their public transportation free. And so you can get on their subway station or you can ride a train car for like 24 hours for free, which is really cool. Except it's not something that only tourists know about. Like all of Paris knows that this is happening. And so we've been to the party. We saw the laser show. It was really cool. And it's about one in the morning and we are trying to get back to our Airbnb. And so we start walking by all the substations and they were so incredibly packed with people. It felt like we were in a joke. Like it was ridiculous. And so... And we finally picked a substation. We're like, we're just going to do it. And we got in line and you're with a bunch of other people who have all been out partying for New Year's Eve. And so we wait in line and we must have waited in line for over an hour and a half to get all the way through the substation. And you finally get to the platform, right? And you're like, this is it. I want to go home and I want to be in my apartment. This was fun, but I'm so over it. And then the car rolls up. Like you guys, it felt like a cartoon. When the door slid open, it is a wall of people. Like it's, and you're going, sure, I'm gonna get me and my in-laws right in there, here we go. But like, you don't have an option. You have to get back to your apartment. So I remember so clearly throwing out the elbows and being like, all right, let's push on here. And I'm trying to wiggle and I'm trying to get through the wall of people and I turn around and I am alone. <laughs> yeah, right? Like you get it. I turn around and I, my family is not there. And I finally find them. And I'm kidding you not, about five people all standing on the platform in Paris, France going, 
No, it's just not gonna happen. They're looking at this sea of people. And I remember taking a deep breath, I'm like, okay. So I step off and I get on the platform, like here is the pep talk of the century. Cause guys, you have to get on the car. You have to, right? We are not spending the night in Paris. We're not going to, we're gonna go back to our apartment. I am at least. I am not spending the night here. We have waited over an hour and a half to get to this platform. I need you to take a deep breath, throw some elbows, make some space. The next car, I'm getting on it. And I'm hoping you guys are going with me. And I remember we made it. Everybody's fine. We made it back to the apartment. I didn't have to leave anybody behind, but it was a lot of work. It was intimidating. It was just a lot when that wall of people and the doors opened up. It was just, it was a lot. And what I wonder, is sitting here kind of on the morning of New Year's Eve, is I wonder if for some of us looking at 2024, we feel like my family standing on that platform being like, no, I'm just, no, thank you. We're standing here being like 2024, I still haven't processed two years ago, much less 2023. Am I ready for this new year to suddenly show up? No, I'm gonna, that's not for me right now. Some of you are looking ahead like me, I'm doing this, and the complexity and the tension because God bless an election year, it's coming, it's rolling up to the train station, it's what's gonna happen. Some of my students are in here, my high school students, and this year is a year of graduating. This is a year where you are gonna talk about moving out. You're gonna talk about, some people are talking about college. Some people are talking about military. You might be looking at a new job. I know people, 2024, they're gonna get married. And that might be exciting, but there's such anxiety that goes to that. You might be looking at 2024 saying, that looks like a lot and I'm just not sure I'm ready for it. Or I've got a few friends who are a bit more like me who are ready to leave 2023 behind and your elbows are out and you're saying, I will drag you with me. We're going into the new year. I'm done with that and I'm ready to go on to the new thing. And regardless of our attitude when it comes to the new year, the truth is that car's gonna roll up and midnight's gonna happen and we are going to walk into 2024. We are going to walk into whatever this new year has for us and leave behind whatever 2023 was. And so what if walking into 2024 does not have to feel like cramming into something that we are uncertain of, something that we are scared of, something that we are intimidated by, something that we feel like we're dragging people along with us? Because I think God has given us a way to walk into this new year confident and grounded in who he is and who he says that we are. And I think that God has got some really good and beautiful things that he wants to do through us and in us in 2024. And we have an opportunity to start this new year together. So that's what I wanna walk out this morning. So to do that, we are going to be looking at a set of passages in a book of the Bible called Hebrews. We're gonna be looking at Hebrews 10, starting in verse 19. And what I wanna kind of warn you about is we're gonna read through it first, but there's a lot of imagery, there's a lot of ritual that, that, that these verses talk about that might be a little confusing. So I wanna read through it and then we're gonna go back and we're gonna kind of unpack some of the things that are happening. So this is Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, 
having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So like I said, there's a few things I wanna unpack. Here's the first thing. All of those verses, they do a really interesting thing of um, almost summing up a part of the Jewish New Year experience. Much of what the writer of Hebrews is summing up is actually pointing towards a day called Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement, which is a part of the Jewish New Year. And the Jewish New Year typically happens more in September and October. But for us, we get to talk about it today on the brink of our New Year Day. And it is arguably one of the most important days of the calendar for a Jewish person. So it's kind of interesting that the writer of Hebrews would sum it up. But there's a few pieces in here that we need to kind of go back to better understand for ourselves. And that first thing that I wanna better understand is when the writer of Hebrews says, the most holy place. So what the writer of Hebrews is referencing there is they're referencing the Jewish temple. And so there's something that we need to go back and we need to look at the layout of how the Jewish temple was and how it worked for people because so that we can understand why the writer of Hebrews would talk about the most holy place. So when we look at the layout for the Jewish temple, there were a lot of designated areas and designated sections that were walled off really specifically. The outermost area of the Jewish temple, that would be in Jerusalem, the outermost area was known as the court of Gentiles. So a Gentile was anyone who was a non-Jewish person. So if you were a non-Jewish person in Jerusalem and you wanted to go to the temple, there was a designated court for you, but it was as exterior to the temple area as you could get. The court of the Gentiles was as far from the actual worship you could get, but it was designated for you. And then when you cross the next barrier, the next wall, you can see it's called the court of women. So if you were a Jewish woman, this was where you were able to go to congregate, to be with the other Jewish women, to participate in worship and to participate in your relationship with God. You were able to be there in this court of women. And then the, the other thing that would happen in court of women is that's where the temple would store things like wine and oil that were used in temple worship. And if you are familiar at all with some verses in the New Testament where Jesus gets really angry and he flips tables of people that are selling goods in the temple, it's because all of those tables had set up there in that court of women. And so what these temple sellers had been doing is they had taken up all the space of that designated zone so that the people who are meant to be there to worship God couldn't actually meet there anymore. That's why Jesus is so mad and he starts flipping tables. He's like, you're taking over this space and people can and not draw near and worship. So then you cross the next barrier and you walk into the area where this is for the Jewish men and for the priests. This is where the Jewish men and the priests went to worship God and to offer sacrifices for many different reasons. And so when you take a look at that diagram, what you might be able to understand if you're familiar with some verses where Jesus talks about bringing down the walls and the barriers that people experience between them and God, or when Paul writes in a part of the Bible, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, male or female. This would have been in the minds of so many people of saying all of these walls and these separations and these designated spaces are no longer. Because of Jesus Christ, all these people get to meet together to be a part of one family when we come together and we worship God. This image is what would have been in their minds. And it just really lets it sink into us what it looked like when Jesus removed the separation and said, we have now drawn near and been adopted children into this family. But also 
When you moved past where the Israelite men were able to be, you step into the most holy place or into the holy of holies. This would have been the center of the temple worship. This is where the Jewish people kept the the Ark of the Covenant, where they believed that the, the tablets of the 10 commandments were. And the mercy seat where God's presence was, was in that holy of holies. And the Bible tells us that it's beautiful. It's gold inlaid with specific wood and they burn specific incense. They have a very strict way that they worship within that holy of holies and you don't deviate from it. And when the verse in Hebrews references a most high priest, and it says Jesus, for the Jewish people, they had a high priest. The high priest ran their worship. And on one day a year, Yom Kippur, or the day of atonement, was the one day a year that only the high priest was allowed to enter into this holy of holies, the center of worship of God for the Jewish people, only on that one day. So to lead up to this, all the Jewish people would get together, including the high priest. And it was a week of confession. It was a week of saying, what tension, what barriers, what differences do I have between me and all of my neighbors, things that I need to apologize, own up for, I need to go talk out. What sin and barriers and obstacles do I have between me and God that I need to confess? Because on the day of atonement, at the end of this new year celebration, the high priest and only the high priest is one day a year would enter into the Holy of Holies and he would make a sacrifice for himself and his family. He would make a sacrifice for all the people of Israel to, to allow them to be good once again with God, to eliminate whatever obstacles and barriers they once had. And he would offer up something called the scapegoat. Now there's a part of the Bible called Leviticus that tells us exactly what the scapegoat was for. So uh, Leviticus chapter 16 says that the high priest would lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all of the wickedness and the rebellion of the Israelites, all of their sins and put them on that goat's head. He shall then send the goat away into the wilderness in the care of someone appointed for the task. And the goat will carry on itself all of their sins to a remote place. And the man shall release it into the wilderness. Now, All of this celebration of the new year, from the confession to the sacrifices, to the scapegoat, to the the high priest had to go through an incredible amount of ritualistic cleaning and putting on the right linen before he could enter into the Holy of Holies. And the Israelite people, all the week that led up to this, everything that is this new year celebration was not intended to be a time of mourning or a time of shame. It was not intended to be a time of like feeling awkward and I guess we'll get confrontational because here we are and let's do it in the new year. That's like, like confront things in the new year. That's not what any of this was. What this was for the Jewish people is this opportunity to say, there are tensions and there are things that are impacting my relationship with this neighbor, with this friend of mine, with this person next to me. Let's deal with it and let's confront it. There is something I think that is keeping God over there and me over here. Let's get it out of the way so that we can start this new year with a clean slate, refreshed and renewed and restored as we walk into what the new year was. It was actually a time of celebration, not a time of shame as they walked into this. And so holding on to all of that, I want us to go back to Hebrews chapter 10. Because the writer of Hebrews is saying, this idea of restoration, this idea of closeness, this idea of having a clean slate relationally with the people next to you as well as with God, that still exists, but it's 
changed in a really dramatic way because of Jesus Christ. There is something really dramatic that's changed that the writer of Hebrews wants us to see and I want us to see as we walk into our own new year. So if we go back to Hebrews chapter 10, the writer says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have the confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. That is a really big difference right there in that small we, me and you and we have the confidence now to enter into the most holy place. We have the confidence, we have access into where the presence of God is. This is the writer of Hebrews saying, no longer is God over there and you're in your designated court while the high priest goes in front of God. You and I and we get to have access and relationship and closeness to God. No longer is God distance. We have the confidence as we walk into a new year of 2024, come what may, we have an access to God. There is an incredible freedom and incredible beauty and just a big change in what Jesus gives us access to when it comes to God. You know, sometimes here at Casas, we talk about this idea of, of having acceptance with God. And this is a huge piece of what we're talking about. That God is with us saying, you have a place with me. Here is an extended invitation at any time that you may have the confidence of a relationship with God, not through a high priest, but you because of a high priest named Jesus Christ. In fact, it says, by a new and living way that has been opened for us through the curtain. This is another way that the writer of Hebrews is saying for so long, many Jewish people, but maybe many of us, when we interact with God, when we think about faith, when we think about church, we think about walls and separation. That there is something separating me from God, something that separates me from having a relationship with God. So I don't know what it might be, something that we might be carrying, something we might've been taught, something, there is a reason that God stays over there and I stay over here. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, because of Jesus Christ, there is no wall, there's no separation, there is no curtain. Whatever it might be that you think is separating and keeping God at a distance, the writer of Hebrews says, Jesus has closed that distance. God is standing there saying, you have the confidence of full access to a relationship with me. In fact, the writer goes on and says, because of this high priest of Jesus, let us now draw near to God. You know, the writer of Hebrews could have said, he could have said, now that you have everything figured out, and you do not have a doubt, and you do not have a question, and you behave just right. Now you get to have access to God. The writer of Hebrews could have said, now that your family looks perfect, and you and your parents get along great, and your kids behave just right, now that everything is just right, you can have access to God. The writer of Hebrews could have said, now that your finances, you only make wise decisions. Now that you only behave in purely selfless ways, now you get to have access to God. He could have written any of those things. But what the writer of Hebrews said about the confidence that we can have because of Jesus Christ to enter into this relationship and this access of God says, now you may draw near with a sincere heart. That means a heart that is open and a heart that is honest with the good, with the bad, with the messy, with all that you are, with that sincere heart, you get to draw close. And with the full assurance of faith. And it even goes on to say, 
that he will let us draw near to God with sincere heart, the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. I wonder how many of us have something in 2023 that we're holding on to, or 22 or 21, something that's holding us back, maybe relationally from God, maybe relationally with someone else. And we just keep thinking, I'm not done with it yet. I haven't, I haven't accepted it. I haven't dealt with it. I'm still embarrassed. I'm still ashamed, whatever that thing looks like. And the writer of Hebrews says, except that your high priest, the ultimate sacrifice, he already took care of it and he already atoned for it. He already has it covered. He already handled it. So I ask you, as we walk into this new year with a confidence of access to God, what would it look like? What would it take for you to trust this high priest of Jesus and say, I'm gonna leave that behind me in 2023. What do you need to do to be able to leave it behind you in this past year, to walk forward this clean slate, restored and close to God, this access that we get to have, this invitation we get to accept because of who our high priest is. But you know, as we walk into this new year, and let's say we, we love what the writer of Hebrews says, and we say, I want to walk into this year confident and restored and knowing that I have access to God, not one day a year and not through this one guy named the high priest, but because of Jesus, all of the time, all that I am with my heart and with my conscience and who I am, I get to have access to this relationship with God. I love that. I think that walking with that confidence can be really, really difficult to do alone. I think the writer of Hebrews knew writing, walking forward in that confidence sounds beautiful, but it can be really difficult to do alone because we might walk through something in the next year or in 2025 that, that our confidence starts to waver. Our confidence weakens. Our confidence seems like it's really far away and I'm just not sure how to deal with God right now. And so actually what the writer of Hebrews does and what I want us to do for the rest of this morning is say, what does it look like to start this new year together? To step into community? How does community help us walk into this relationship with God with confidence? How does it help to restore that confidence that we can have in our relationship with God? And so the first thing I wanna do is honestly read that next verse in Hebrews. And it's Hebrews 10, 23. The writer says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he who promised is faithful. So the first thing that community can do is they can help us hold on to hope unswervingly. And what I want us to see is that word of unswervingly because it really paints a picture. It's almost mathematical. It says to remain absolutely perpendicular. It's about being anchored. There is no turn, there is no tilt. It is holding on to the hope of God. It is anchored into that hope of God. What this makes me think about, well, actually, the opposite that I think about. Has anyone in here ever done a fantasy league for the NFL? Has anyone? It's okay, you can admit it here, it's cool. If we're ruining the NFL, I'm very okay with it because this was my first year doing a fantasy league and I got so weird about it, you guys. It like woke up a really competitive monster within me and I found myself the weirdest person. And I also discovered I am not an unswerving fan of anybody in the NFL. I didn't know this about myself until this year, but I do not have a team. I have Stacy's team. I am unswervingly a fan of just my team. Like I found myself talking to people and I was like, I don't care if the Miami Dolphins actually won. I just really want Tyreek Hill to make every catch and score every touchdown because that bro makes me so many points. 
Like, I don't care if the Eagles actually broke their losing streak. I just need Jalen Hurts to complete his passes and maybe run in a touchdown because he also does really well for me. And honestly, are the Niners going to win the Super Bowl? Like, yeah, they definitely are, right? But I really dislike McCaffrey because my opponent had him and the points he made her kicked me out of the playoffs and I'm not okay with it right now. I have emotions about this. But let me tell you, I'm not a fan of any team. I'm not wearing a jersey because I don't make a jersey for Stacy's fantasy football team. I am not an unswerving fan. But you know who is? My husband. I don't know why but he is an unswerving fan for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, see, those of you who know the record are like, poor, poor man. I know, but I love him. Like he unswervingly, they have the second to worst record in the NFL, if you don't know that. It's painful. And yet every game they play, he sits on the couch and he's like, today's the day. No, it's not, man. And at the start of every NFL season, bro wears his Cardinals jersey. It still says Fitzgerald and he still believes in them. And I'm like, you are going to be disappointed, man, because it's the cards. I have a really good friend. She will bet a dollar on the cards for every game. She has lost so many dollars this year. But unswervingly, Andy's got his jersey on. She's betting her dollar because unswervingly, they are fans for some reason of the Arizona Cardinals. And they are a much better picture than I am of what unswervingly means in Hebrews. This is a picture that says in 2024, regardless of what circumstance we might find ourselves in, how much of the story we can see, because right now I really just don't see God and I really just don't understand what is happening unswervingly we can hold on to the hope that is God. That when we deal with family, when we deal with friends, when 2024 doesn't go as planned as we wished or as we wanted, we can hold on to the hope unswervingly that God has got this. And the impact of a community to help pull us back to the confidence that is access and relationship to God. The impact of a community that can help us stay anchored in the hope that even in difficult moments, the beauty and the goodness of God is very present that can help us see God in those moments. That is so impactful. That is so important. That is so difficult to do alone. And the writer of Hebrews says, step into a community that helps you anchor in to the hope that is God. And the second thing that the writer of Hebrews says when it talks about our confidence to have this full access and this full relationship with God The writer of Hebrews says, Hebrews 10, verse 24, and let us consider, I wanna pause really, really quick. I'll finish the verse, I promise. But I like that the writer said consider because there's something in that to me that sounds really intentional. We are not going to wake up tomorrow on January 1st and just be like, boom, new worldview, new attitude, new me. And it's just gonna hold through everything for forever. Like, We know that's not how it's gonna work. And the writer of Hebrews says, don't treat this like it just happens in a vacuum. This is a choice, this is an intention, this is a decision, this is an awareness to choose to say, I'm gonna be anchored into hope and I'm gonna help those around me be anchored into hope. Or choose with intention to say, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. 
This picture of spur to me, to spur someone on, it makes perfect sense. Anyone who knows me, and you might've picked up on it at this point, I really like to tease people. Like it is my joy in life to tease, to pick, depending on what point you're at, it might be torment uh, people. Like it's a joy for me. And right now, and I know that this is gonna be a little weird, but you can already see the joy that this new shenanigan has for me and my family. Right now, I am doing my very, very best to get all of my nieces and nephews to refer to my parents, not as grandma and grandpa, but as T-bone and porterhouse. I'm trying so hard. Hold on. I know it's weird and it's not going to get less weird. Just laugh with me. My parents, they love to grill. It's just a thing they love. If you call them like, hey, what are you guys doing tonight? They're grilling. It's what they do. And so my husband and I sat together and we were like, you know, it's going to be really funny. Let's give them nicknames. Let's make my mom T-bone, not grandma. T-bone. And let's make my dad porterhouse because it brings us the greatest joy. Imagine for a minute, some kid comes back to school after winter break and the teacher's like, what did you do for Christmas? And that little kid gets to be like, I went to my T-bone's house and porterhouse bought me a doll. Like that's hilarious. Or like you see this little five-year-old like running and they're not yelling grandma, they're yelling T-bone. Like that is so funny. And I have a lot of nieces and nephews, okay? I got a lot of them. And I am working so, so, so hard to get all of them with me. It is not grandma and papa. It is T-bone and it is porterhouse and it is hilarious, right? And when the writer of Hebrews writes, he's not writing about me. Like this is to spur people onto chaos, right? This word that the writer uses can actually be used two different ways. One, and this is actually the more common way this word would have been understood, is that you can spur people on, you can influence and you can pull people into anger. You can incite fights. You can encourage division and help people choose to separate and make enemies out of them or enemies out of them. We can choose to spur each other on to see fear and to see negativity in 2024. Or as the writer of Hebrews says, takes that word and turns it, take that same energy, take that same influence, take that same focus and that same care and instead spur one another on towards love and not just love like it's a really nice thought. Love and good deeds means love in action. To take that influence and say, it is gonna be so easy for us to draw hard lines and say who's there and who's not. It's gonna be easy to react really fast. And this writer of Hebrews says, Surround yourself with a community of people who want to encourage you and pull you into and influence each other to say, how can we best love those next to us? How can we best put our love of people into action regardless of what this new year might have in store for us? That's a really big impact of community when we're talking about the confidence of our relationship with God and an access with God. And the last thing, that the writer of Hebrews says about this idea of community and how community can impact the confidence that we have when we talk about God. Verse 25, and let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, rather encouraging one another. So all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, the truth is in our world right now, it is really easy to not go to church I have got my podcast, I have got my books, I can listen to a sermon from anyone I want from all over the world. 
And what I wonder is if this writer of Hebrews is saying, content is not the same thing as community. That consumption of ideas, even consumption of theology is not the same thing as being in a community of people who are trying to be a part of this Jesus movement and trying to say, what does it look like to live like we have a hope in God, to live like we have full access exactly as we are when we come before the God of the universe because of Jesus Christ. And think about it. We can gather a bunch of knowledge. We can know a whole lot of things but it may not have the same impact in how we actually live and how we actually walk out and treat people as if we join together, starting this next week, we've got a series coming up, said not to get on the ride, how to not get on the ride. And we wanna know how do I walk into 2024 and not get on the roller coaster of fear and insecurity and division and whatever else might be coming for us. What if we came together as a community of people and said, I wanna encourage us to choose love, to spur one another on to love, to spur one another on into anchoring into a hope, full access to God as we deal with the roller coaster that this new year might be? Or what if we came together as a group of people and said, we want to actually put love into action and step out and love our city? Signups are happening in January, but the events in March where we are going to hopefully send hundreds of us to say, we love the people of Tucson simply because they are also the children of God. And we know we have full access and we have confidence in him. So let's come together to go show love and care to the people that are here in Tucson and here in our city. Or what if when this new year sends some stuff that we're not ready for, when we find that hope being anchored into it really tough, when we find it wavering, what if we had a group of people that we were actually doing life with? That when we cannot see God or we can't see goodness, or we can't see beauty happening in our story right now, they could help us see it. Or they could just say, hey, borrow some of my hope during this tough time and I will walk through this with you. Because it's really hard to hold on to the confidence of God when we are doing life alone. So as we walk into this new year, I pray and I hope, I'm excited to see what God's got for us. I think there's some good and beautiful stuff coming for us in 2024. So let's spur one another on into love that is action. Let's not stop meeting together, but let's actually come together and hold on to the hope of God because we, you and I, get to have access in this relationship and this closeness with the God because of who Jesus Christ is. If you would go ahead and join me praying. God, Thank you so much for your love. And I pray for each and every one of us, one, that you would keep us safe on this New Year's Eve. But Lord, as we walk into 2024, help us to have your eyes, help us to have your heart as we view ourselves, as we view each other, as we view other people, God. Help us to just love with the love that you have shown us. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, well, happy New Year's, you guys. Have a great time.